As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode, A Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. I think I have been thinking about recording this episode for 10 years. (laughs) This is like such an obvious story that Fan of History would eventually reach and here we are yeah and we are doing cyrus versus croesus it's amazing and, and i've been thinking of it too and i'm like i have to be honest dear listeners i'm a little nervous because i really i know this story and i really want to express it to you properly so dan will help me along with it as well because you know the story a lot i believe too right dan i've heard it before yeah a lot of you guys have probably heard it it's just now you're hearing it in the context of what we're we've been talking about and I think that's, you know, put our spin on it. And it's all such an amazing tribute to Herodotus because he gives us this in full color in a way we couldn't do 
in the 7th century BC. Right. Because nobody was writing like this. No. You're right. Yeah. I hope he's truthful, but he is a great storyteller. He is a good storyteller. I mean, he and the story just meanders. You know, this part of the story has been this, and then before that, he'll, he'll be talking about Egypt for, you know, five pages. And then, by the way, this is what Cyrus is up to. Cyrus is definitely some character, and he's one of those. He's like a clever. He's clever too. So, and we know Croesus is was this rich guy, right? Rich as Croesus must have been a topic in the ancient world. And I, I think I've said this before, and I'll say it again because Herodotus tells us there's all these things at the oracles with you know donated by Croesus, and they're all like magnificent. So they must have just you know seen all this stuff, and they met this Croesus guy was rich. So some of the stories, I'm surely became stories, but some of it was based in truth. Just like Midas, King Midas, had a lot of gold in Lydia area, just like Croesus is there, same area, a lot of gold. Yeah, in Sweden, there is a children cartoon that is a comic and uh, some movies, and it's extremely popular and super Swedish, so it can't be exported. It's about small bear <laughs> named Bamse. <laughs> who gets super strong if it's the special honey that his grandmother makes for him. Okay. And one of the main villains is a terrible capitalist. <laughs> He's like trying to buy everything. And his name is Croesus Mouse. Oh man, that's great. So that's when I first got into contact with the, this name, Croesus. Oh, since you were a little kid? Yeah, since I was like three years old. Oh, it was a cartoon when you were little. Oh, that's amazing. So the cartoon is pretty left-wing, so to speak. So capitalists are super bad. And this nice bear with the super strength, he's like caring for everybody, <laughs> wants everything to be equal. He, he's a socialist, pretty much. Nice. And Croesus the Mouse is the capitalist rich money grubber. Yes. Terrible guy. So that that's what I learned when I was a child. I think Megacles is more your like money grubber. Ah, your Megacles from the Greeks, you know? Croesus was just yes. so freaking rich. He's just like, I'm so rich here. I have this, I have that. He's like, yeah, he'd be like um, Uncle Duck. You know, the duck dives into all the riches. Yes. But hubris. Of course, the Greeks love their hubris. And Croesus, now we know that Cyrus is the, you know, overthrown the Persians. I'm sorry, the Medes, right? So now he's taken over the Median Empire. And Croesus had a deal with the with Asiages. They were even... He married one. Of, they married each other's uh, children, right? They were. They had they had treaties, yes, sealed with marriage. But now, you know, he's not the king anymore. Cyrus is. So you know, basically, that treaty doesn't necessarily stand, and because they had set their boundary at the Halys River, and if you recall, they had the Battle of the Eclipse, where they, you know, they decided the Medes and the Lydians decided they couldn't beat each other. Now back in five eighty five, correct. So now they're, you know, that and that was Croesus' father that was in that, and they made that deal. And Croesus may have been at that battle if he was young. Anyhow, that was the deal. But Croesus is going to think about breaking the deal. He wants, he loves the, like I said, he goes to these oracles. So he wanted to go to the oracles and find out what he should do. And this is, this story is kind of famous, but why he, cho- he chose the oracle of Delphi. And I'll tell you why. So what he did. Oh, maybe because it's the greatest scam ever. Oh, it's such a scam. The more I, it's such a scam. I mean, we could, we, we already just said that 
that's you know that those guys from the Alcamade were you know they're already in with them. Such a scam. And and you're gonna find out later, like literally things that they actually you know, if you wanted something and and just <laughs> I know I keep talking to people about my Assassin's Creed Odyssey. There's a whole thing with the the cult of Cosmos has the you know they keep the Pythian the Pythian. A priestess. They make her say things that she didn't want to say and do things. So, kind of based in the truth. So anyway, Croesus wants to know which is the best oracle. So he he sends his he sends people out to all the different oracles, and he says, "When you get there, let me, you know when you're there, so that we, he knows that they're there." He counted the days or whatever. He said to ask the oracle what I'm doing at the time. And if they can tell you exactly what I'm doing, then I'll think that oracle's good. And I don't know about you, but usually those kind of oracles, right? Like fortune tellers and stuff, they don't like that, right? Like, tell, well, if you're such a fortune teller, what's going to be the lottery number tonight? When they're, oh, that's not how it <laughs> I guess the oracle of Delphi was, he was okay with it. This is what he was doing. He was testing them by doing these odd things. And what he did on the day that... He would have been at the Oracle of Delphi. He took a tortoise and a lamb, and he ripped them up himself, and he boiled them in a brass pot with a brass lid on it. So when they went there, the Pythonists answered in, in a rhyme, probably rhymed in Greek, I can count the sands, and I can measure the ocean. I have ears for the silent, and I know what the dumb man meaneth. Lo, on my sense there striketh the smell of a shell-covered tortoise, boiling now on a fire, with the flesh of a lamb in a cauldron, brass is the vessel below, and brass the cover above it. That was terribly spot on. Yeah, dead on. So they must, you know, mustn't be fake or, I mean, who knows what the story, conjecture could be. I mean, if that actually happened, maybe, you know, somebody um, was a spy. Who knows? As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. I don't think he could be a spy, though, because he would have had to do is say, like, well, it's going to take five days for them to get to there, 10 or whatever it is. And then that day he does it. And then they'd have to come back and say, you know, well, this is what they said. And he's, oh, that's I boiled the turtle. in <laughs> Makes you wonder what he did on the other days. Right? <laughs> like, I have to do something super weird every day. <laughs> well, it's funny because Herodotus does say there was another oracle that got her right, too, and he was doing something different. But he doesn't know what it was. <laughs> you really have to read him. He's so good. So 
make a long story short, he believes the oracle, that the oracle of Delphi is the one to go to. Goes to the oracle. He sends another, you know, messengers, and he asks them, should he invade, you know, should he attack Persia? Should he, you know, go to war with Persia? And they say, basically says, if you attack Persia, you will destroy a mighty empire. Hmm. He says, oh, that sounds pretty good, right? So he's thinking about, yeah, probably do this. You know, the, the oracle said I should do it. Because I'm going to try one more time. And so he goes back and he asks her again, you know, should he, you know, oh, he asks, his, he asks her another question. He sends them and he says, will my kingdom be of long duration? You know, so I figures if he was going to lose, right, he would, what be? He says, wait till the time when a mule is the monarch of media. Then thou, delicate Lydian, away to the pubbles of Hermes. Haste, oh, haste thee away, nor blush to behave like a coward. Hmm. Croesus figures, well, mule. Well, it's never going to be king of mule media, so I'm probably good. No mules, right? <laughs> but obviously Cyrus is like a mule because he's, it's a, you know, in this era t- talking about people because he's half Persian and half Median. The oracle was, he's being tricked according to Herodotus anyway. It sounds like a typical ambiguous uh, oracle answer. Mm-hmm, exactly. And apparently at this oracle also told them to find the, uh, get allies and get allied with the strongest power in Greece. And um, he doesn't go to to Athens at all because he knows what's going on with Pisistratus at the time. So this is like corresponding to what's happening. This is probably like all this is happening, like 546, you know, around middle of the 540s. So he tells them to get allies, get the number one power in Greece. And so Herodotus tells us that previously, a little while ago, Sparta had sent a mission to Lydia to buy gold to make a statue of Apollo um, with it. And Croesus was saying, ah, you crazy Spartans, you could take it, just have it. So they got the gold for free, and Herodotus says it was still there in his day. Croesus sends a mission to Sparta, and the Spartans are very uh, happy to, to say, yeah, we'll be your ally. They're happy because they say, the, oh, you think we're the number one power? And they were happy about the time that he gave him the gold for free. So now he's got his allies. He's also has Egypt for an ally. He starts recruiting mercenaries. This is the way the Lydians fight. We, I, we mentioned their, their main troops were heavy cavalry. And then they would have had Greeks from the Ionian cities as uh, soldiers too because they, they were vassals to them at the time. And they would also hire mercenaries and they did have um, allies in uh, Egypt and, again, in Sparta, but they didn't have those Egyptian or the Spartan allies at this time when he makes his invasion and he crosses the Halas River. That's not a good strategy. should wait for your allies, right? You would think, but I guess he felt that, I don't know, it's a good point. He, re- he got his mercenaries, he got his allies, but he, he crossed the river. And you know what? It's funny because one of his advisors, he told him they shouldn't attack the Persians at all. Basically, he says that you're going to make war against men who wear leather leather trousers and they have all their things in leather and they they don't eat what they want. They could just they have to eat from this crappy soil. They don't drink wine. They have to like they don't have enough figs. They don't have honey. So if you conquered them, what what are you going to get? You're not going to get anything. They don't have anything. But if they conquer you. You lose everything. And once they get a taste of our good stuff, 
They're going to keep such a hold of them. We'll never get rid of them. So he says, I'm just thankful for the gods. I've not put it into the hearts of the Persians to invade us. But he doesn't follow that guy's advice, obviously. And he does cross the Halas. He sacks the city of Pteria, P-T-E-R-I-A. And he um, sells all the inhabitants into slavery. Uh-oh, Cyrus won't be happy about this. Right. And Pateria is now like a village. It's like, you know, it's like the regional capital kind of thing. So he was like, yep, this is happening. This is extremely ballsy, but uh, on the other hand, we haven't seen Cyrus do anything super amazing yet, except conquer media. But Yeah, that's a really good point. People weren't too happy with the... Yeah, so he's not the super great general he will become. That's true. And then so at this point, you know, it seems like Croesus is a little nervous. He checks with his oracles a couple of times. He gets his, tries to get his ducks in a row. But I think he also figured maybe I better do this now before he gets. There's a lot of theories, too. Some people, say, like I said before, he's the, an ally, right, of the Medes. Now he overthrew the Medes. So maybe he's supposed to, you know, do something with that. And he's allied with the Babylonians. But Nabonidus is in Taima in Saudi Arabia. And the Arabian Peninsula. And Belshazzar won't be of any use. Right. So it's just, it's just a, I guess maybe he just figured strike now, you know, it was the time to do it. And it might not have been the worst idea because, you know, he took the um, city. So it's a preemptive strike against uh, the rising power of Persia. Exactly. So Cyrus makes his move and he's going to come and um, take back his city and fight. Sometime around this time, not exactly sure, we're not exactly when, but in this in-between time here, Cyrus reaches out to the Ionian Greek cities and asks for their help against, you know, Lydia. And they don't know Cyrus yet, and they know this guy, and they're like, you know, he says, you know, I'll take, you know, you be just like you are with them, you be with us. And they're like, no. And I'm surely there must have been Ionian Greeks in the fight. So Cyrus comes. And they fight out in some plains outside of Pateria where, they, you know, he had crossed the Halas. And they fight all day, Herodotus tells us, and they fight to a draw. So, obviously, the Lydians could fight and the Persians could fight. So, Croesus retreats back to uh, Sardis. And he figures, it's, this is probably fallish because it's winter's coming. And he figures, well, you know, Cyrus isn't going to come here. It's winter coming. I'm just going to let the mercenaries go for the season, let my troops go for the season, and then I'll just hole up here. And then when the you know next campaigning season comes back, we'll get those Spartans together, get those Egyptians up, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of these Persians. Everything will be fine. You know this part of the story? Yeah, that's classic ancient warfare, right? Campaigning season is over. We'll do this next year. Right. It's like the annual Assyrian campaign. When it's over, we'll just do it next year. Right. But Cyrus, we know, is not your average. That's why he's so good, right? He decides to pursue. And unbeknownst to Croesus, he has, he has pursued and he, and he follows their army back. Like I said, he's released his mercenaries. He released all of his soldiers. And there he, now there's a, there's, they're outside of Sardis. But still the Lydians could fight. They have their heavy cavalry. Do you know this? what happens next? Well, tell me. I'll tell you. Tell everybody. So 
Harpagus is with them. Remember Harpagus? He's the guy whose son got eaten, and Cyrus used him to overthrow the overthrow the um, Medes. He was a Mede. Yeah, can't can't forget Harpagus. Yeah, poor Harpagus. He's still with us, and he says he sees the cavalry, and he says, "Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get. We're going to we're going to put our cavalry on the camels, the pack animals, because horses don't like camels, and we're going to charge with them, and that'll freak out their horses." So that's what they did, and it worked, and they won outside the Sardis. Regarding that, I listened to a podcast a while ago. It's pretty good, The History of Persia, and he talks about it in the episode, and he says in the episode he's talking about it, he says, um, I don't know if that's true. Then in the next episode, he says, you know, I got a call from a listener who knows a lot about horses and et cetera, et cetera, and apparently, yes, if horses were are not familiar with camels. Like if they knew them, you know, they kind of knew camels. Like dogs and cats could get along. But if they haven't, they get freaked out by camels. So that's a true thing, and that really could happen. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the story. So he goes and he holds himself up Sardis and preparing for a siege. He figures he'll be fine. And then he reaches out to the Spartans. Hey, I need my help. But what were the Spartans doing? They were having the Battle of the Champions. <laughs> Hang on, Croesus. We'll be there a bit later. Oh, we just lost 300 guys. Yeah, exactly. But we'll, we'll find out. Maybe they would have came. So the, Sardis is quite a fortress, apparently. It's it's walled on all the sides, and of course, there's of course there's one side that has a and the you know sheer mountain cliff that kind of thing. Not really walled, but you may not notice it. Cyrus tells his soldiers some, you know, to the effect of whoever finds a way in here will be, you know, majorly rewarded. And so one soldier sees a Lydian soldier dropped his helmet somewhere over on that side where it's just not that fended and walled. And he climbs down to get it. And then he sees that, oh, I could climb, we can climb up. So the Persians go over there, they climb up. Oh, that side where the guy dropped his helmet and they immediately, they take the city pretty much right away. It was only like under siege for 14 days. Well, that's a record speed. Yeah, because of that guy dropping his helmet. Yeah, because that could have been a whole thing. So, you know, excuse me, Cyrus obviously knew stuff, but he was also a gambler. But I mean, maybe he had an in and, you know, I'm of the camp that, um, sorry, Cyrus was in like an intelligence guy, just like Nebuchadnezzar. Like he... He was like, the art of war. Don't go to war unless you think you're going to win. And have all your, you know, if you want to call them dirty tricks, but all sphere and love and war. Have all your shit in order. Like, you're going to be there with a small army. You're going in the winter, you know, this kind of stuff. So, anyway, he took the city in 14 days. There's a kind of a funny story about that, too. What happens when he takes the city? There's a soldier that's about to kill Croesus. He doesn't know who Croesus is. And did we talk about it? I think we did. That Croesus has a son who's mute. Oh, remind us. So remember, Croesus' one son dies because he had a son that was mute. And I believe that was the older son, but he was mute. So he could never be, the, he never talked. And so he could be the, couldn't be the king. So they had that other son, but he never let him go boar hunting or anything. Um, or he never let him go to war. But he went boar hunting and that guy killed him by accident. So now Croesus lost his, his only, you know, heir son, but he had this mute son. Never said a word ever. 
So the soldier comes in about to stab Croesus with a spear, and guess what happens? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> the mute son speaks. What does he say? Man, don't kill us. It's Croesus. <laughs> Well, that's a good time to speak if you never did before. <laughs> I know. Man, do not kill Croesus. It was the first time and he was ever spoken in his life, and Herodotus tells us then he was able to speak after that. Well, that's a bit late, but at least he saved his father. Yeah. So now Cyrus has Sardis and Croesus. So you know what he does next? No. Tell me. Well, he's going to burn up Croesus. He's going to put him out of fire and burn him. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. So he puts him on the fire. He lights the fire and Croesus says, remembers Solon, what Solon told him. Remember Solon? No. And Solon told them. So Solon had told them a long time. This is the thing with us and Herodotus. You know, it's like I'm telling a decade at a time and Herodotus is like mixing this all together and then it comes through. So at the time we had Solon from Athens, was traveling. He went to Lydia in his travels. He met Croesus, and he had this conversation with Croesus about who is the most happiest people person that he ever knew. Croesus asks him, and Solon tells him these one guy who, you know, they died at the end, and this one, that one. But the bottom line was you can't know a man's happiness until he's lived his entire life because fate could just change it at the last minute. <laughs> Thus, Croesus was like, I was about to become a mighty empire, and I was going to keep this forever, but now I'm lost, right? And I'm standing on this thing, and he realizes it, and he's, like, mumbling about it. He's talking about it, and he's yelling to Apollo, like, I gave you all this gold. I did all this stuff. All these, you said, you know, yours oracle was the best, and I still, I die. This is terrible. Like, this sucks, right? Apparently, Cyrus hears it. Some of his people hears it. And Cyrus is like, oh, no, put that out. Let's. I want to talk to him. I want to talk to this Croesus guy. And, but he can't put the fire out. It's already going. So Croesus is about to burn up. But then the skies open up and it rains. Must have been Apollo, right? <sighs> Puts out the fire. Oh, nice work, Apollo. <laughs> so now Croesus lives. And they have these, you know, speeches and stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And then Cyrus takes Croesus as an advisor. That would never have happened to an Assyrian king. I highly doubt it. We never even hear about Syrian kings' advisors. But remember, Assyrian kings, I said he's kind of like Art of War. You know, the Chinese would do that. Remember, they were going to pickle a guy, and then they didn't pickle him. Yeah. So, and, and um, it's also a theme in Herodotus. This may not really be true that he did. We don't know. We don't have, like, historical record of it besides Herodotus. Because Herodotus does use the literary... A trick or the literary, whatever you call it, of a of the wise advisor. He's got wise advisors in different categories throughout the book. So whether it's true or not, that's Herodotus' story, and that's the story you guys need to know if you want to know about what happened with Cyrus and Croesus. So Croesus will still be in our story. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's still he's coming up when we talk about Ionia. He's in it. He outlives Cyrus. I actually heard about Croesus's death in Herodotus today, but uh, we'll save that for later. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course we will. We still got lots more about Croesus and Cyrus, but I still want to tell you about about this situation. It's going to come full circle, baby. You know how I say there's always something I have to say in this podcast. So, <laughs> this just cracks me up. Cyrus says to Croesus, "Like, you would have a wish. Like, what would you wish? What do you want? Like." 
you know. So Cyrus says, I want to go back to the, you know, Oracle and say, like, WTF. Like, what? I asked you these questions. I gave you all this stuff. Why did this happen to me? So at some point, I guess he goes to the back to the Oracle and he sends a messenger. He talks to him. And he, you know, says, like, I gave you all this stuff and yada, yada. And they said back to him, like, as if the priest has talked to the God. Well, this is what Apollo says, he says to him. My hands were tied. I had to do it anyway. But because you did everything, you know, you gave me these things and you were pious towards me, I delayed your judgment. What was going to happen? By three years. And the reason, <laughs> the reason that this happened, do you know why? No. Gyges. What? <laughs> Gyges. Because Croesus is Gyges' like scion, right? And I think it's the fifth generation. And because when it happened at the time, and like I said, Herodotus opens with Gyges. Basically the story of, you know, how he took over the uh, monarchy from the previous king of Lydia. And so they said, so when he became the king, Gyges did, his, he was cursed and the fifth generation that he would lose the, you know, his, that would be the end of his dynasty. So God. Chris had nothing to do with it, really. He was just cursed from birth. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> I know. I need to laugh, but, you know, honestly, Dan, I really believe, they really believed a lot of this stuff in those days. They really, really did. Yes. You know, like we had the curse of the Alcamonids. I mean, these are like, this would be like, you know, for like major leaders today, like believe in this stuff. Like, well, we can't, you know, have babies with this guy because he's cursed because 50 years ago they killed these people. So, they believed it, and because a guy just, Croesus is out, but at least he didn't burn. And, oh, and Apollo says, I gave you three years. You're not dead. I put the fire out. And, you know, sorry, bud, but it was the guy, your your, your great, great, great grandfather, Guy just is the one who caused your downfall. <laughs> <laughs> I have to mention this interaction between Cyrus and Croesus. Oh, please. When uh, the Persians are sacking the capital of Lydia. Oh, yes. Yeah. Croesus looks on and Cyrus looks on and Croesus asks, O king, am I to say to you now what is in my mind or keep silence? And Cyrus said, oh, you can speak. And Croesus asked, yonder multitude, what is this whereon they are so busily engaged? And Cyrus looks at the carnage and says, they are plundering your city and carrying <laughs> off your possessions. Nah. <laughs> But Croesus looks on Cyrus and says, No, it's not my city, nor my possessions, for I have no longer any share of all this. It is your wealth nice. that they are ravishing. Yeah. And <laughs> Cyrus just realizes, oh, oh, well, that's, yeah, it's true. Making a point there, aren't you? That's right there. He's uh, right off the bat. He's the wise advisor. He's already, he's, he is one of um, Cyrus's favorite advisors. Becomes at this point. So um, we're going to segue into what happens in Ionia, but I will say that um, now that it's, you know, taken, Cyrus does go, and that's why we could end this episode, I think. So now after they lost, the Ionians come to Cyrus and say, hey, 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 we'll take that deal you gave us. And then Cyrus tells him a story. He tells him a story about a piper who was walking along the ocean and he was blowing to the fish and the, wants the fish to dance and the fish won't dance. So the piper gets a net 
and he throws a net into the ocean, and all the fish are dancing. And he says, you're like those fish. When I piped to you and asked you to dance, you didn't want to do it, but now I have you in my net, and oh, you're happy to dance now. So now you're going to do what I say. And that's how that went. And then we could talk about that in the next episode because there's a whole bunch of different Ionian cities, you know, picks off. And Herodotus tells us the stories of a couple of them, and I think they're pretty interesting. So I, I think that could be a whole episode. All right. So the Ionian cities were all vassals of Croesus. Yeah, there was, they were all, and I, just for historical accuracy, there was two that weren't. And at this moment, I do not recall which two weren't because there's a bunch of them. Because you have the Ionian cities that are Greek, and then you do have these Carian cities, and there's so there's a whole bunch of cities that over the time, I think Miletus was, I'm not sure, I don't want to say, um, but over the time, if you recall, of the Lydian kings were subjecting these these different cities, and now they've all been you know finally subjugated by Lydia, and now these Persians come in, and they he's going to see if he could subjugate them himself now, since they decided that they uh, they didn't want to dance. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So let's let's dig into that one next time. Because this episode will go forever otherwise. In another discussion between Cyrus and Croesus before they leave Sardis uh, for Persia, uh, Cyrus is asking uh, Croesus what fault he saw in that plundering of Sardis. So Croesus replies, Since the gods have given me to be your slave, it is right that if I have any clear sight of wrong done, I should declare it to you. The Persians are violent men by nature, <laughs> and if you don't suffer them to seize and hold great possessions, you may expect that he who has won the most will rise in revolt against you. Now, therefore, do this if what I say finds favor with you. Set men of your guard to watch all the gates, let them take the spoil from those who are carrying it out, and say that it must be paid as Tithe to Zeus, ah. though shall you not be hated by them for taking their wealth by force, and they for their part will acknowledge that you act justly and will give up the spoil willingly. So, once again, Croesus is giving great advice to Cyrus. Yeah. And then he gets all the money, of course. That would be the plan, right? So he puts the guy in charge. He puts this guy Pactis in charge, collecting the taxes. Yeah, so he's pretty much a satrap then in in Sardis. Yeah. But we don't have satrapies yet. No. They don't really call them that. Like the king of kings term. Yes. The, the actual development of the satrapies is uh, not very clear. So there might be a pro-satrapy yeah. pre thing going on here. Yeah, I think it's what you call it. I, they probably were in a, in a way a satrapy. Like even the Assyrians... Some of them were sort of like satrapies, you know? Yeah. Like, see, they sort of set this empire up. The Assyrians did it, and the Babylonians had it. And then, because, you know, sometimes they'd put a eunuch in charge, and then sometimes they'd just put a person in charge. And that's what satrapies were like, a person in charge. So pretty much Cyrus has control of all of Lydia. He is, Lydia is now a part of his kingdom. He put packages in charge of Lydia. The Ionian Greeks are vassals of Cyrus now, right? No, no. No, well, they said no, so they're gonna they're gonna have to fight it out. Oh, yeah, yeah. They said so they they said the they said we'll take the original deal, which was a better deal. They're more autonomous. And then he said no. Now you're gonna be like you're vassals. Like 
basically what Herodotus would call slaves. Maybe they oh, just conquer them to make them a part of the Persian Empire, not vassals. Exactly. He was going to conquer them. Uh, is, he, is he going to do it or is, is Pactius going to do it? We're going to find out on the next episode. Oh, great. <laughs> so let's close there and talk about it. And two weeks from now, I'll have it all ready for you guys. Hey, in between those two weeks, though, remember to check out next week. We'll have some episode of What's New in History. And if I don't, I'll be in trouble. So every other week, we have What's New in History. And every other week, we have Fan of History, which is counting back forward the decades. Yes. Yeah. Until next time, check out our Facebook page. Check out Dan's Instagram page. How do you spell that, Dan? Dan Horning and an umlaut above the O. Yes. And check out our Facebook page. Like I already said, but you can message me on there. Message me any ideas you have, any thoughts. If I effed anything up, tell me. And uh, we'll catch you next time. We're going to talk about the Ionians in um, the previous Lydian Empire that are now in conflict with Cyrus the Great. And if you're one of our Swedish listeners, you should check out uh, Nublid Historia, my new Swedish history podcast. Nice. Yes, and uh, next time you come over the pond, Bernie, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll bring Cornelia, my co-host, onto Fan of History as well. Nice. Yeah, remember, she was the one who read uh, Alice in Wonderland. Yes, I do, I remember. Yes. Okay, until next time. Until next time, cheers. Oh, the poor Aeonians. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.